Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. So, but you're here, I'm here, we're going to have a great time, it's going to be a great service. Turn over to Exodus chapter 3, we'll get there in a moment. We're going to call this message today, Wide Awake. All right, Wide Awake, it's important to be, to be wide awake. Uh, you know, it's great to just have everybody together, even this, even just what limited fellowship we have right now, which is, again, it's a pretty small group during what we usually have, but it really, ama- it really makes you, it makes me appreciate scriptures like Acts 2.1 where it says they were all together in one place. And it was so key for that first century church to be all together in one place. They didn't have Zoom services or remote. I mean, they just like, when it was church time, they came together. And that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're striving for. Please be praying because once we get through this month with some more outdoor services, Lord willing with good weather, beginning September, we're back in the building again. And you know, we have our whole COVID plan. We don't know what that plan is going to look like in November, but we, or I'm sorry, in September. But we are going to be together in some form or fashion because the church needs to be together. I think that's really important. Uh, so keep praying. We'll keep you up to date as to where we where we are with all those various protocols. But uh, I am fighting hard and praying hard that we are going to be together in September. So uh, that's going to be a great thing. We've been talking a lot of late about being led by the Spirit and allowing God. To set our course and allowing God to, to guide us through life and not the world, right? We don't want the world guiding us through life. We don't want social media or what's trending or what your Uncle Louie says, unless you're a very spiritual or your neighbor down the road, whoever. We don't want that guiding us through life. We want to know, God, we are led by your spirit. We know you're in charge. We know you're the one we want to listen to. So we're talking all the rest of this year about being led by the spirit. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, that sounds really good to me. Let's be led by the Spirit. Here's the question. How do you really know when that's happening? Like, it sounds really good. Hey, I want to be led by the Spirit, but, like, unless God is, like, yelling in your ear or, like, tugging on you physically, how do you really know that you're being led by the Spirit? Is the, is the Spirit really the one that's, that's guiding my life? I think that would be an important question to have answered. Because how awful would it be to think you're being led by the Spirit only to find out when it's a little too late, eh, you know what, you really weren't being led by the Spirit. Imagine this. Imagine you you registered for a, a guided tour of the Amazon jungle. Now, I'm not talking about the, the warehouse in Wallingford. I'm talking about, like, the actual Amazon jungle. And as you're going through that tour, you know, you get, you're like an hour into it, and all the plant life begins to look like the stuff from Jurassic Park, right? It's like, man, where am I? And you're going in deeper, and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, my tour guide was a fake, and I'm on the wrong path, and I'm being set up for an ambush. Now, as crazy as that sounds, sounds that kind of stuff actually does happen. And so you would want to make sure before you set out on that trek, hey, this is legit, right? I'm on the, I'm on the right path, and I got the right person leading me. You want to know that. Last week, we talked about 
being on two roads. That's just basically two roads in life, right? There's, there, there's no, there's no twist, right? There's no, you know, there's no kind of in between. You're either on the on the good road or the bad road. We talk about that that narrow road that leads to life, right? That's the one you want to be on. That can be a little tricky to get on because it's narrow, right? So you know, it's not it's not like you can just jump on. You got to do some work to get on that narrow road. It's also not the easiest road to stay on. That can be tricky too because there's certain things you got to do with your life, the ways you got to live, and decisions and choices you got to make to make sure you're on that narrow road. It's easy to, to get off of that. That's option one. Option two was the wide road. But we know what that is, right? That's the road to destruction. That's the one that's really easy to get on because it's right in your face every day. And that's also the easy one to stay on. Just follow the crowd. Hey, if you're not sure, go the way most people are going. Good chance you're going to be on that, that wide road. And that's not really where you want to be either. So that's the road that's got the ambush, right? That's the ambush waiting to happen. So we're talking about being led by the Spirit to make sure that you're always on that narrow road that leads to life. So how do we know? I mean, how do we really truly know that we're on that right road and we're following the right guides? I think we have to up our senses. We've got to up our awareness. We've got to be wide awake spiritually to be able to really see, hey, is this God? Is this not God? Is this the spirit of God or is this, you know, some other spirit that I want to stay away from? You've got to become more aware of, of when and how God is working in our lives and how the spirit is leading us so that we don't end up in trouble one day. Maybe thinking, I thought I was doing this right, but oh man, look at this. It's like the last day. Guess what? I've not been doing this right. So we need to be more aware of, of where and how God is working every day you're alive to make sure that I'm on the straight and narrow and all is going to be good. Okay, so how do we do that? Especially when the world is screaming at you. A couple of things to think about. Number one, you got to listen carefully for God's voice. you got to listen very carefully for God's voice, especially with all the noise. That's happening around you. Look with me in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Probably a pretty familiar story to most of us. We're not going to read the whole story, but it's pretty interesting how this begins. Verse 1. Now Moses was taking the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. And so Moses thought, hmm, I'll go over there and I'll check this out. I'm going to look at this strange sight and see, hey, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had got over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Probably a pretty good idea at that point. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals to the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, picture in your mind what's going on here. You've got Moses doing what he did all the time. He's out tending the sheep, right? He was a sheep herder. He's doing what he knows he's supposed to be doing. He's minding his own business. And then he looks off to the side and he sees a burning bush. But, like, this isn't just some, you know, average brush fire because this bush was not burning up and it was talking. 
two very important considerations right there. Mm, okay, it's on fire, doesn't seem to be burning up, and there's a voice coming from this bush. So he does what any of us would do, right? He walks over and he checks it out, and, and the bush is talking to him. And what is the bush saying? Well, he listens, and he realizes that this is the voice of God. I mean, who else is talking to a bush, right? So he realizes this is the voice of God. And so he listens. And, and, and what does God want Moses to hear that day? Well, read on with me the story just a little bit in verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I've heard them crying out because of their slave guards. And I'm concerned about their suffering. And so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign that that it is that uh, that you, that, that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so God has this very important message for Moses. He says, look, you know, I'm not oblivious. I'm not like the, the old man in the sky that, you know, is like, you know, naive and half blind. And, and, well, I see what's going on. I know exactly what's going on down there. I see it all. I see the struggles. I see the oppression, Moses. I see the trials, all of it. And, and I've got a rescue plan. We're going to fix this. And, and here's the thing, Mo. I need you to step up and to lean into this. I need you to be engaged, to be involved. And I believe in you, Moses. And I'm going to be there with you. And all that from a burning bush, right? That's a lot to get from a burning bush. I mean, he's already just trying to process the fact that the bush is actually speaking. But then he gets this incredible message of freedom and, and you know, being set free and, and the oppression being gone. And he's blown away by that because Moses knows what's going on too, and he hates this. Why the bush? I mean, why not just, like, appear, put their God, and he just talks to him? Why did he have to approach him in this way? He had to get his attention. You know, there's certain things you do with, with people to get their attention, right? So, you know, maybe if you're married, there's a certain thing you do with your husband or your wife to get their attention. Because if you don't do that certain thing, they're probably not going to listen to the word you say. So. But there are certain things that we do. When you have children, you really get this, right? So what do you do when you want to really get your young child's attention? You grab that face, right? Because, like, you don't want them to look, so you grab that face and you look right into it. And you tell them, you know, do not cross the road or you will die. Like, you want to make sure that they get the message and you, you like, you hold that face so you know there is no way they are not going to hear this. There's no way they are not going to get this. And so I think this is what God was doing with Moses. It's like, there's no way you're not going to hear this. There's no way you're not going to get this. God does this a lot. God always wants us to know what he has to say and hear his voice. For Ezekiel, you know what the voice of God was? It was the sound of rushing water. That's what the Bible says. That's how we got through Ezekiel. For Elijah, you know what it was? 
a gentle whisper. That worked for him. Elijah didn't want the loud voice, just, just whisper into my ear and we're all good. For Isaiah, you know what it was? It was a clap of thunder. That got his attention. For Moses, it was the crackle of a fire. That got his attention. What is it for you? How is, how is God getting your attention? Because let me tell you, he so desperately wants it, and you so desperately need it. How is God getting your attention? With all the noise, are you hearing God's voice? Is he getting your attention? If you expect to be led by the Spirit of God, then, then, then God's got to have your attention. Because if you're not carefully listening to that voice, I promise you, you will miss it. You will miss it. you got to hear that voice. There's a few things God wants you to hear. God wants you to hear, just like he did with Moses. I see what's going on. I'm not too down to your life. Yeah, I know there's like, you know, 8 billion people or whatever it is that I'm listening to and watching and following. And yeah, there's probably like a gazillion prayers coming up at any one moment to me. But that doesn't mean I don't see you. I know exactly who you are. I know every hair on your head. For some of us, that's a little bit easier than others. But I know, I, look, I, I know you inside and out. There's nothing that you are going through that I'm not aware of. I see everything. I see the good. I see the bad. I see the ugly. I see it all. I see your, your fears. I see your struggles. I see your doubts. I see all of your insecurities. I know the stuff that nobody else knows. I see it all. It's all in front of me. Your temptations, your frustrations. I see all of your pain. I see your failures. I know all of your sins. Life's not easy. God wants you to know, I know as God, life is not easy. And I see that. And I see that you are on your way through every single day. I mean, so so often, guys, and let's face it, we're all in this. We feel like we're in a war zone. Like life is just like one battle after another after another. Just when you think everything's going pretty well, it's like, boom, you
So we, we, we have those fears. I know a lot of you that have been around for a long time. And you've become Christians. And you've made the changes. And you've left what you needed to leave behind. behind. But now you're at it like 10, 20, 30 or more years. And you're thinking, and you're wondering, can I even stay with this? Yes, you can absolutely stay with it. Get some help. Find yourself stuck, okay, so you're stuck. It's a big deal, you know? People get stuck all the time. Unstick yourself. Get some fellowship, get in the Bible, get unstuck, and keep moving. It's telling Moses, you've got to engage. I need you to make a move. And then he goes on to explain to Moses that this, this whole thing, this whole plan is, is completely legit. Like, it's the real thing. We know it to be true. But Moses has his doubts, and he wonders. You know, there's a verse here in chapter 3, and uh, it's in verse 19, where God's trying to convince Moses that this is all, like, this is all legit, right? And he goes, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I'll stretch out my hand, and I'll strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I'll perform among them. And after that, he'll let you go. Right, so he's telling Moses, this is going to work. I'll stretch out my hand. I will show you. Moses has doubts. It's like, I want to see what this hand looks like. So look over in chapter 4. This is going to Moses answered. Well, look, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And, and they say, hey, the Lord didn't appear to you. There's no burning bush. Then the Lord said to him, this is for what's in your hand. A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by its tail. So Moses reached out and he took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It became white as snow. Now, put it back into your cloak, So Moses put it back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of the flesh. Then the Lord said, if they don't believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, Pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. I mean, those are some very powerful signs. God says, I will stretch out my hand, and I'll show you what I can do. Pretty amazing stuff, right? All this so that the Egyptians will believe that God's in control, right? Maybe a little bit. I think a whole lot more so that Moses will believe that God is in control, that he'll have the confidence to get up, do something, make a move, and keep going. That God's hand is at work in their lives. How do we know confidently that God is actually doing anything in our lives? Have you ever thought about that? Like, how do I know that this particular thing that, that went my way, or this particular 
you know, outcome or this particular, you know, windfall was, was actually the hand of God. How do we know that? Where's the proof? You know, in the Bible, it's so easy to see, like, the evidence of God doing things, right? So Jesus would, like, touch somebody, and the, the blind can see, the, the lame can walk, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak. It's like, there was no argument. There was no question. Oh, look at that. God did a miracle. How do we actually know that things are going on? Well, we might think there's proof. We might think there's evidence, right? Sometimes we think we see it. We're, we're driving into the shopping center, and, you know, you look, and there's one parking spot left, and it's right by the front door. You're like, oh, my gosh, look at that. God is working. God is moving. And so you, you, you get into that spot, and you're at that spot because you're in front of Kohl's, and Kohl's is having a 30%, 40 80% off sale on toasters, right? And, like, your toaster's done. It's toast, right? So you, you go into Kohl's, and you're looking around for that toaster, and there's one left on the shelf, and it's only there because it's, like, behind the blender, and nobody saw it. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you know. And, and then you're, like, late for work the next day, and all the lights are green. And so with all of these things, you're saying, that's so God, that's so God. How do you know that's so God? Maybe it's just good timing. Right? So you think you're seeing the power of God, but then there's those times when you know. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. This isn't just like lucky timing. This is really God. Because there's a schedule change in your job, and you've not been able to go to church, and you've been challenged by your brothers and sisters. Look, you got to get to church if you're going to be a disciple. You're going to, you know, be led by the Spirit. And you're like, I know, I know, I know, but, you know, I can't lose this job. And then the schedule changes, and, like, Sunday's open now. Like, that's not just some weird coincidence. That's just a weird timing thing. God opened up that door for you. Or maybe it's like, you know, some door open to a career change because you're about to lose your house. And you're about to, to go under. And you're like, you know, like a step away from bankruptcy. And, and then this job comes, comes through for you that you've been praying for. And God knows, man, you've got to take care of your family. And so that's there. Or maybe some medical miracle that baffles doctors. The impossible happens. A lost faith is restored. That's the time that you say, that is so God, because that really was so God. And so God is obviously working, so we see it clearly. But then there's those times when you have a hard time seeing God working at all, because there's no parking spot, there's no toaster, and the job is not coming through. And you're like, okay, so where's God, right? Like. Is God working? How do you know? Sometimes we have a hard time seeing it. You know, in Exodus 4, God gave all these really convincing proofs to Moses. But the only thing that they proved was that he would have courage and confidence on that day he's going to drive out the Egyptians. That he'd be able to take a stand and he will deliver this message. There was no message to Moses like, look, here's exactly how it's going to go, all right? And there was no assurance of, of when this would happen or how it was going to happen. There was no, you know, for sure this is exactly like the way you can expect this to go. It was just, I'll give you the confidence, I'm going to be there with you. There was no assurance of how Pharaoh was even going to respond to any of this. 
Look in chapter four, one last scripture. This is, this is what he knew. This is, this is all that Moses knew in terms of how this thing was going to go, this, this promised exodus. Verse 29, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people. I bet he had so much fun. Hey, guys, watch this. Boom, you know, like snake, pick it up. I mean, he was having a great time with this. Do you see what God is going to do? All this stuff. And they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, and they had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped. So Moses says, hey, look, this is going to be awesome. But they haven't actually seen anything yet. They were still captives. They were still slaves. There had been no confrontation yet. There had been no, hey, you know, Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen, buddy. There was none of that yet. That was still a long way off. But they had this amazing confidence. Hey, guys, when we get to that point, when push comes to shove, man, we're going to do the pushing, and we're going to do the shoving, and we're getting out of here. But they hadn't seen anything yet. No victory. But they were convinced. When we get there, God is with us. It's all going to be awesome. How convinced are you that God will deliver a miracle, a blessing, something that you desperately need in your life? How convinced are you? Even if you haven't seen the victory yet, because let's face it, that's the real challenge, right? When you're like going through something and, you know, Florence and I know what's that, what that's like, as we all do. You're going through something, you're praying, you're fasting, you're looking. You know, the prayer fast look, prayer fast look cycle's been like going for a long time. And you're wondering, God, are you really going to be there? How are you going to know? Moses had his signs. What signs has God given you? Maybe you're thinking, well, you know what? I actually don't have any signs. God, show me the money. I want to know that you're really with me on this. Maybe you're looking for the wrong thing. Because I believe that God does have a victory waiting for you. But I think there are some things that, that God wants you to see before we just hand you the victory. So here are the real signs that God is with you. That God's hand is with you. Your character changes. Your perspective on life changes. And not just the things that are going great, but even the things that are stinking it up in your life. You have a different attitude. You have a different outlook. You're more positive. You know, okay, I'm not seeing it right yet, but you know what? God's not through with this yet. The end of the story hasn't been written. Your faith increases. Your patience increases. Your surrender and your trust increase tenfold. It's like, wow, why am I not so bugged out about this anymore? Why does it not tear me up like it did at one time? Why am I even okay with this thing not being a victory yet? God's hand is with you. You're seeing God change you and mature you. And you're seeing God help you to surrender. And your confidence grows. You feel stronger. You, you, you stand a little taller. When I get my new hips, I'm going to see if they can, like, stretch a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that works, but I'm going to ask. But you're, you're standing taller. 
you doubt less. You're, you're, you're moving forward with this sense of assurance in your stride. Like, man, like, I'm not doing this on my own. Like, God's right there with me. And yeah, okay, it's not like panning out yet, but I know it's going to. Your confidence is there. Things may not be finished yet, but you're good with the process because you've given it to God. And your mountains don't seem to be quite as big anymore. And even if there's not an immediate change in your circumstances, there is an immediate change in your attitude and your outlook. And at that point, you're saying, I know this isn't me. This is so God. This really is so God. You know you've, you've listened to God's voice. And you know you've, you've seen God's hand. So let's keep those ears open. God is calling you through the noise. Listen carefully to what he's saying. And watch carefully for what he's doing and, and how God's hand is moving in your life and how God is working. Because that hand is moving in your favor. And with all of that, I think you will begin to know I am being led by the Spirit. We're going to pray. We're going to take our communion. We'll have another song. And we're going to enjoy a great time of fellowship outside. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we appreciate that your voice is calling to us. I don't know where it's coming from, but however you're, you're, you're calling us, Father, I pray that we will carefully listen. And God, we know that your hand is with us. We know your hand is moving in our lives. We appreciate that. Father, we thank you so much now as we take this communion for the blood of Christ. Father, thank you for the forgiveness, the atonement that comes through that, the shedding of that blood on the cross. Father, thank you so much for the life that comes through the shedding of that blood on the cross. As we take this, this through the vine, as we take this bread, Father, help us to remember that if it were not for the blood of Christ, there would be no voice and there would be no hand. And we truly would be on that wide road to destruction, but we're not, and we're grateful. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.